Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Science, the show that breaks down the science of television and movies with a comedian and a scientist. Today we're discussing Naked and Afraid of Love. So I'll ask about the intersection of survival and romance, which maybe you didn't know there was one, but apparently there is. Hi everyone, I'm your host Ethan Edinburgh, and I've got two wonderful guests joining me today. My first guest is a survivalist expert and actor who has starred in two of my personal favorite shows of all time, Delocated and Neon Joe Werewolf Hunter. Welcome to the show, Steve Service. Hi, how you doing? I'm good, Steve. It's a pleasure to talk to you. How you doing? I'm doing good. Getting ready to talk survival with naked people. <laughs> Nothing more exciting than that. Um, so, Steve, a couple questions off the bat for you. I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours, and I actually did not know about this survivalist background. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, I, I grew up in a very rural area when I was a kid. I uh, spent a lot of time in the woods, and this has always been um, a hobby of mine. I really got into primitive living skills in my early 20s, and uh, it's something that I just continue to try to cultivate and I teach my kids the same way and we kind of build in rite of passage with their upbringing and um, yeah, it's, wow. it's just part of who I am. I love that and uh, I got a bunch of questions for you on that but but I'll wait till our, our second guest is introduced so maybe we can both pick away at this the information you're providing. Um, my, my second guest is a comedian and co-host of the Unofficial Expert Podcast. Welcome to the show, Sydney Washington. Hello! So obsessed. <laughs> obsessed with Naked and Afraid of Love? I'm obsessed with everything. <laughs> and also, I'm, I'm actually really excited to talk because I barely survived the pandemic. So the gall of me <laughs> to think that I can have some input on this. <laughs> No, I'm I'm very excited to hear your input and uh, and and for you to ask questions to Steve, who I feel like we can both learn a lot from. Because as I learned, you also host a weekly cooking show and yet claim not to know how to cook. Is that correct? Feels like that's my uh, my brand. <laughs> Just talking about things you don't know about. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at it. I don't know. <laughs> It's something about me. <laughs> All right, awesome. Um, I, I was going to ask if there's any, like, because I, I, I do enjoy cooking, but I wouldn't claim that I know how to cook. Are there, like, surprisingly easy and delicious recipes that you've learned that you would recommend? Oh, yeah. I had, like, a mushroom Parmesan risotto. Ooh. Uh, it, it does take a while, but it's really just stirring. And if you have, like, you know, good wrist strength, okay. I mean, you got it. Nice. And it's it's so delicious. And it, I feel like risotto goes with everything. That sounds like a wonderful comfort food. That's what I'm all about. Uh, and something that you can probably make in bulk. For the whole family that I don't have. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, Steve, I also wanted to ask you about your streak of no rest days. Is that still active? It's still active. I'm going on, um, Jesus, almost three years now of of two workouts a day with no rest days, yes. Oh my lord, it literally fatigues me to hear you say that, and I thought I was taking my fitness seriously, but what inspired you to start this uh, double workout, no rest day thing? When I was 42 years old, I went really far in competitive CrossFit, 
And then I left that because of disillusionment and I really made friends with vodka. And uh, <laughs> I was getting to the point where I just said I need to make a change. So I decided to do this challenge, which was called 75 Hard, which uh, you needed to do two workouts a day, seven days a week, no rest days for 75 days and a bunch of other things. Um, and uh, I, I wow. made a, a quick switch, no drinking, full boat on the diet for 75 days. And I just never stopped. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that is intense, my friend. Congrats on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you do you try to knock it out in the morning? And, and do you have secrets as far as like keeping yourself motivated? Because there's got to be days where you're not feeling like working out twice. Well, it's, it's a great question. Like the, the first the first like 30 to 40 days motivation is an issue. But uh, after that, it becomes super habitual. So like mm. now it's just kind of part of my daily routine. It, it you know, I, I feel a sense of panic if midnight's rolling around and I didn't do my second workout, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just part of the day at this point. Motivation kind of goes by the wayside after you do it for a while. Wow. Okay. Um, well guys, we have gathered here today to discuss naked and afraid of love a show. I did not know existed before this podcast. I don't know if you guys did. I was aware of Naked and Afraid. Uh, both of these programs you can watch exclusively on Discovery Plus, of course. Um, but, but Sydney, what was your what was your take on this? How, how did you feel about Naked and Afraid of Love? I I love that this is a thing. You know, if you thought that dating was hard with clothes on and, you know, a shelter over your head. Wow, really, really put them out there. They, they put them out there. And I, I couldn't even believe that people were setting themselves up for love and failure at the same time. <laughs> and I, I tried to see myself there like, oh, how would I feel talking to someone with my labia just hanging out? And I don't know, I don't, I couldn't see that for me. So I was very proud of everyone being on the show. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, I don't think I would fare very well in either, like on the romantic dating side or on the survival side. I think I would be terrible. But but Steve, what was your what was your take on this show? Um, I, I was expecting more naked and afraid and less love. Um, so, I, you know, I really didn't see a survival show per se. <laughs> Uh, more than I saw a, a, a dating show, but um, right, you know, it definitely brought up some 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 survival issues with me placing myself in that situation of what I would prioritize and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. my my initial take was, um, yeah, this is a dating show, not a survival show. Yeah, I do think it was funny that it's like billed as both because right. it's certainly not fifty fifty. It's a fun show, and I mean, I enjoy. 90 Day Fiance and The Bachelor. I do like these shows and I watch them, but I was stunned at how nonchalant everybody on these islands were yeah. at the survival part of it. They yeah. didn't seem panicked for food. No, they seemed they seemed quite taken care of by whatever crew was accompanying them there. <laughs> um, I mean, they they knew they knew if worse came to worse, somebody would have a sandwich or right. a granola bar. Like they yeah. knew that all the steaks 
weren't all the way in. So the big tell for me was when they were searching for water, and um, I think it was was it Ariella, the woman who was searching for water, was mm-hmm. just like, "Well, we can't find it. Whatever." <laughs> like, well, somebody's handing them a Poland spring, you know, at, at some point, if they don't care about water. <laughs> yeah, if you give up hour one looking for water, that's, yeah, yeah you're not that thirsty, I guess. Right. Or, or you're chronically dehydrated and you don't need to oh. live off of water. I'm not saying I, oh. I'm speaking from experience, but I know some people who only have one or two cups a day. Oh man, which you can survive <laughs> on, but but you can't survive on none. You know, none. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, none is a problem. After after a couple of days, you're hurting. After hours, you're hurting. But two days, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a dead person now. Yeah. I, I wonder, Steve, because this is kind of a big thing. Like people, you know, give each other crap for not drinking enough water. I'm, I've, I'm definitely victim of this. I will make fun of people that, you know, it'll be 4 p.m. and they're like, I haven't had any water today. Yeah. And I just can't help myself be like, oh my God, come on. What are, you know? So are there, like, are you suffering or having like symptoms that you're not aware of? Uh, via dehydration absolutely and um the first one is is lethargy that will lead to confusion um but early onset dehydration you're you're just gonna you're gonna feel sluggish um you might feel hungry what you attribute as hunger um Mm -hmm. but it's a slippery slope where where these symptoms happen really fast so it's you know it's lethargy it's tired it's i can't get out of bed now it's then headaches um confusion and then things start to shut down Mm, that sounds like me that honest i was like whoa that's all the things that happen to me on a on a regular basis i'm always confused and tired i need about seven naps a day you're dehydrated that's <laughs> the more you know i'm so glad i'm on this it's pod like, today it's like yeah the simplest solution that's right in front of you sydney it's yeah. water you got to get one of those big uh you know gallon jugs or whatever that everybody's carrying around now yeah but i just use that for like weights you know that that's <laughs> that makes me like my fake workout for the week you know i can't really do much with it i never finish it i'll tell you that much there was a challenge. There was a challenge to do it for 21 days. I, I failed miserably. But do you drink other things? Do you drink coffee? Do you drink sodas? I do not drink coffee. I'm very Ooh. proud of myself for that. But nice. I I will have a Red Bull. I will. Oh. America runs on Dun- Dunkins and I run on Red Bull. <laughs> Sydney runs on Red Bull. I'm hurting over here. Steve, I'm hurting over here. He looks confused right now. I'm seeing right, his face. Right. He's not dehydrated. Yeah, yeah but any, any sort of liquid that you're getting in will add to hydration. You know, even, even if caffeine is a, a diuretic, you're still adding to hydration. It's not like you're completely depleting yourself of, of liquids. So you're, you're doing okay. I switched recently from coffee to matcha. Should I be patting myself on the back, Steve? Am I like a superhero now? I don't know. I pretty much live on coffee and mm. meat. So, <laughs> so I, I, I don't frown on coffee drinkers whatsoever. 
Okay, cool. Well, and you're doing two a days for, you know, five <laughs> years straight. So it's pretty sweet. You're doing okay. Um, okay, so here's my main question going into this show. I was just thinking, if I'm dumped on an island, if I'm, if I'm deserted, what's my to-do list? What are, you, what are the first things that I should be doing? You have to come in with, a, with um, a, a prioritization list, right? And that's usually determined by place, by environment that you're going into. But uh, mm-hmm. for the most part, this, you know, I call it the sacred order. The sacred order is shelter, water, fire, and food. Those are your essentials. And if you work in that order, you should be okay. But some environments might make you want to um, establish fire be- before your shelter. Some environments might make you want to find your water source before your fire so you can you can boil it and disinfect the water before you go on to shelter, you know? But the first thing you wanna do is set up a priority list with those four basic needs, shelter, water, fire, and food. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Is part of shelter clothes? Because I did find it strange that they remain naked and yet build shelters. Yeah, it absolutely is. Especially like, I think this is shot in the Philippines. Um, Mm. And I was just doing some basic research on place. I've never been to the Philippines. But uh, in this particular situation, clothing definitely should be considered shelter because um, mosquitoes are a problem. And... Dengue fever is a huge problem in in the Philippines, like 85,000 cases of dengue fever a year in the Philippines. So that that clothing barrier is definitely a shelter towards the element of this particular place. Yeah. And and also the the Filipino cobra. Um, So shoes, I would find something um, to guard my feet with. (laughs) Absolutely. Because you get hit with one of those, you're it's game over, you know. It's all about mitigation risk when it comes to shelter. And and wow. clothing um, mitigates risk. I was definitely stunned by the, again, chill nature of their lack of clothes. And even as they were, I saw them making shoes at one point, And I'm like, why are you so relaxed about making the... I, I would be desperate to cover my feet uh, just in case of, you know, something getting infected in your foot and then you're done, then you can't walk anymore. Totally. And going even further with shelter um, and their lackadaisical, you know, vibe is, uh, is the sun, you know, a lot of what you're thinking about when it comes to shelter, we talked about clothing, but is, is protecting you from the elements and the fact that they're just lounging in the sun without covering themselves from this, you know, sweltering heat is, uh, and they don't have any water. It's just like, you guys, what are you doing? You know, I would immediately get in the shade. I would immediately, if I had to go out in the sun, I'd be, you know, head to toe in mud. I would just be doing everything that I could to, uh, to ensure my longevity in that place. I didn't even consider the mosquito thing. Now that's just in the back of my head, freaking me out. Um, and and the mud. I actually watched an episode of Naked and Afraid by mistake, but now I'm glad that I did because uh, a lady did cover herself in mud, Smart. and I was 
of, I was a little uh, thrown by that, but but what you're saying makes total sense. It, it acts as like a sunscreen. Yes, absolutely, and and a natural coolant, right? If, if not only just protecting your skin from getting blistered because you're going to lose a lot of liquids that way if you do get a sunburn, um, so you'll dehydrate even faster. We were talking about hydration, but uh, but also just to to have that sun bounce off of you of, of deterrence to, to, to keep your core body temperature at, a, at an even temp, you know? Sydney, would you be cool with that? Like, if you're out there, would you be down to just cover yourself in uh, disgusting mud? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. I mean, <laughs> okay. listen, I've worn some disgusting outfits growing up as a child <laughs> and in high school, so... I'm okay with throwing anything on. The only thing is, is that I like just seeing that you know you need survival, you need shelter, you need water, you need fire, you need food, and all those things. I would get overwhelmed. I'm I have ADHD. Definitely. Um, I have a hard time just going in the mall. So I don't know how I'd be on an island and not be like, what do I do? I would just lay there and take a nap. That's that's what I'm giving. I'm yeah, like, until you until you die from that. Yeah, well, at least I'll die the way I wanted in real life, which is rest. I'll be resting, so I'm not opposed to that. That sounds nice, actually. Yeah, um, I so I wanted to ask about the fire too because there are multiple ways to build a fire. I mean, first of all, I think I would be screw- I would just try to like recreate scenes in movies where they built fire, and I don't know how accurate that or helpful that is, but. But can you describe, like, what's the most effective way? How quickly can we make a fire? You know, how long does it take and what do we do? You know, I mean, in, in terms of, of primitive means, you need friction, right? So there's, there's ways of doing it and there's easier ways of doing it. There's very difficult ways if you're skilled. Um, a hand drill if you're skilled. But, I, you know, I don't want to dog any of these people on this show, but they don't seem like they have hand drill skills. Um, but a, a basic bow drill will, uh, will get you a fire. If you know what you're doing, will get you a fire fairly quickly. A lot of them had knives. So, you know, developing a bow drill kit, which, which consists of uh, a bow with some sort of string, doesn't matter what it is. They had, uh, I noticed they had leather. <clears throat> they can make a string out of that, a spindle that you tie into the bowstring and then a handhold with um, a, a cold board. And then you just keep on rubbing, you keep on rubbing, got to cut a little notch in that cold board. You keep on driving that bow back and forth and that spindle spins, spins, spins back and forth and back and forth and creates dust. The collection of that dust eventually turns into a coal and you could keep that coal you know, for days, really, um, and just develop fire off of that. I was looking because it, it, it seems like um, a very um, humid environment that they're in, but nothing bur- burns better than, than um, beach wash, right? These, these old, mm-hmm. very light, dried out pieces of wood, that's, that goes up like that. And to build a bow drill kit out of that, it wouldn't take anybody that long who doesn't even know how to do it because that wood is so dry, it's so light, and it would just go up like a spark. That's good to know. Um, I'll, I'll just practice making my bow uh, 
Yeah, bow drill. My bow drills, no problem. Yeah, just yeah, work on I'll your bow drill. Work on my bow drill outside. Man, I, I was just thinking about how set your kids are. Like, no matter what happens, you know, with climate change and stuff, they're going to be fine, it sounds like. Yeah, they're doing okay. They have, on their fifth birthday, they have to make their first fire, and they both have. So. <laughs> oh, my God, really? Yeah, that's one of the rites of passage I built into their upbringing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I would feel so awesome to have, like, video of me five years old building a fire. That's sick. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I couldn't do anything at five years old. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay. I, I mean, it's just the, the jokes write themselves. I burned down my house when I was 11 years old. So if there's one thing that I know, I know how to make a fucking fire. And I, know how, I don't know how to make it work, too. So... Okay, I'm sorry I have to dig into this, but how did you light your house on fire at 11 years old? Okay, well, you know, when you don't have a lot of friends and, you know, you're going to church every Sunday and you're watching the Lifetime channel, you learn how to make a fire. I started playing with fire after Christmas and I was just like burning things like hair and little knickknacks in a cup. And I would have a side of water because I was a responsible pyro. Yeah. And this time around, I just I lit a plastic cigarette on fire. And I didn't know that plastic melts. I should have known that it melts. And it, it melted into a bag of trash. And then with that bag of trash, the house was on fire. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I should also just... Ask why there was a plastic cigarette around. Your parents had you playing with toy cigarettes or what? It was a prop. It was a prop for like a costume or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a way better reason to have one around (laughs) instead of teaching your kids like this is cool. No, no, no. Um, no. So, again, I just have so many like survival questions because I'm I'm not knowledgeable at this at all. I, I would really not fare well. Um, there's a part they're going to use snails as bait and a woman asks, why don't you just eat the snails? Mm-hmm. And we didn't really get an answer to that question. And so I was curious if snails have any nutrition or if it's wise to try to, yeah, bait a bigger animal. Yeah. Um, they definitely have nutrition, but oh. you know, when, when, when you're, if they're the only option, right, which they're not, I mean, Sardines are abundant uh, where they are. Um, fish, if they even wanted to spear fish, they have manatees are native near there. I mean, that would Whoa. feed the whole crew for a month. But um, <laughs> the uh, with the crabs, so I, I would say it's 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 more about. And he didn't answer her, but for me, it would be yeah. I'm going to use these snails as bait. Because it's it's calories in, calories out, right? If I spend if I spend a day collecting snails and I eat those snails, is that going to reap the best reward calorie wise? Is the mm. is the energy expenditure that I used in collecting and foraging um, being satisfied and then some if I just eat those? Which isn't the case if you could just collect some of them and then use those to fish you get a bigger calorie reward if you're catching fish you know they're they're abundant in fat they're abundant in protein um so you're getting a a a bigger um bang for your caloric buck so to speak and and speaking of that what about the woman who remained vegan on the island 
That, is she oh, in trouble? That girl, uh, that woman, I, bless her. When you're surviving, whatever ideologies or diet you're trying to uphold, you throw that out the window with the clothes that you lost on the right. island. Yes. What the hell? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, kudos to her for staying vegan. In that environment, absolutely possible. You know, that's not to say if they were dropped somewhere else, she she could find herself in a, in a severe world of hurt, right? Because mm-hmm. then it would just all be about how how can I consume fats? I you know I need fats. That's the only thing that's sustainable. But on this island, um, a p- papaya is growing native. Where where there's one native fruit, there's probably more. So um, you know she's getting a sufficient amount of carbohydrates. Um, probably more than they're getting in fat and protein from those crabs. She's getting more calories from just eating the papaya. She could just hang out by the papaya tree and laugh at these guys as they're losing weight. You know? All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's good to know. She's got somewhat of an advantage, potentially. A little bit. Yeah. In that environment. Yeah. I, I you know, unfortunately, I don't like papaya. It's, <laughs> it, it doesn't smell right for me. And mm, it's, it almost has like a funky taste a little bit. I mean, not that you should be caring about taste when you're trying to survive, but I don't know. Right. I would be looking for everything else except the papaya. <laughs> It's kind of like when you're out of water and you're thirsty and then all of a sudden somebody offers you a Dasani bottle of water and you're like, ah, I'd rather, I'd rather not, I'd rather be just dehydrated, you know? I'd rather have a Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I feel about papayas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are other native plants where they are. There are other native um, fruits where they are. You know, my guess is he, he went in and out. He's going to give her a little gift. Somebody probably circled it on a map for him. Just walk in 20 feet and there's a papaya tree right there, dude. It's great for storytelling. You're going to be the hero. Um, But mango steam grows. There's mangoes grow there. There's a bunch, you know. Uh, But I'd have to agree with you, Sydney. Papaya is pretty gross. Look at that. First of all, I have to mention that they're showing people's butts here. I don't know how this was allowed. I, I was instantly... Uh, curious about it when did when when were butts okay to start showing on tv did i miss that i don't know i think i think butts have been more acceptable uh in the pandemic and the year before that and the year i think like in the last five years people realize that you have to normalize seeing ass crack and butt <laughs> okay good to know it was it was a uh, news to me wasn't aware of that change it's all it's all about nature and the body is a, a part mm. of nature and it, they're not sexualizing the ass crack. So maybe that's True. why they said, let's see it. So be it. Let's see it. So be it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. That is definitely their motto here. <laughs> I was also curious about the effects of, I don't know about insomnia, but just like not getting enough sleep. One of the guys says that he hasn't slept in four or five days, but again, seems very chill about it. 
And so are there things happening like behind the scenes in his brain? Like, is he about to pass out? How, how do you survive that? I don't, I don't get enough sleep one day. I'm like miserable. I'm useless. 72 hours definitely leads to some major issues with sleep deprivation. Um, if he's saying he's gone four days without any sleep, my, my guess is what he's really saying is I've gone four days without any really good sleep in, in my king size bed, in my climate, you know, controlled bedroom. Um, where, you know, he might, he might be napping and then up and napping and then up and you could literally go forever like that. But, you know, the 72 hours without any sleep, you, you, it could lead to, um, hallucination. It could definitely lead to just making mistakes, you know, which in a survival mm -hmm. situation, you're, if you have any sort of skill, even basic, basic skills, you are the most dangerous thing to yourself in a survival situation is is your own awareness and your the level of mistakes you're either making or not making you know so right. that that's the that's the biggest danger with sleep deprivation is you start to make mistakes you start to forget things where you put your knife did you set it down did you are you stepping on it you know are you less careful walking down the beach um, jellyfish are a huge problem there. You know, you have to keep your awareness up. Chances are with, with severe sleep deprivation, you're not paying attention to any of that. And, and that's mm. the biggest concern. Uh, do you guys have uh, sleep tips? Is there something you do that helps you just uh, fall asleep, uh, like a log? Uh, when you're dehydrated, right? We were talking about that other, and <laughs> yes. you just want to sleep. Like I, I can fall asleep anywhere. <laughs> It could be That's a party, it could be a wedding, a funeral. I mean, somebody can be, I, I could do it at the White House. I could do it on a Greyhound. I, I could be on a floor. I can have a blanket, no blanket. Uh, I, I don't like to sleep when it's cold. Like, I have to be a little cozy. But for the most part, I got sleep in my back pocket. Your sleep tip is, is just don't drink enough water. And yeah. then you can sleep anywhere. And also be stressed, you know? Oh, and when you want to avoid, 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 avoid. Oh, sleep is the best thing. When you yeah. wake up, no, it's nothing has been done, but you feel like maybe things have changed. <laughs> maybe I can do one thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was all a dream. <laughs> my, my last thing I got to ask about hunting. I feel like that's a huge uh, factor to surviving in any of these situations. So do you have like some basic hunting tips that Sydney and I could implement next time that we are... Uh, out and surviving. Yes, hunting is all. I, I, one of the gentlemen on the, on the show had, he brought a bow and arrow, which which looks really great. But um, hunting isn't target shooting, right? Hunting mm. is more about understanding your environment, understanding how the animals move in that particular environment. But not only the the broader environment, but your hunting place, right? is how are these animals moving? What are their natural rhythms? And how can I put myself in the best possible pos position for, for a, a clean dispatch of this animal? Um, you definitely don't want to just start throwing arrows into the bush and hope for a blood trail, especially in a place that you don't know. Um, so mm. it's, it's most ab mostly about develop your skills, 
I'll give you a couple of tips. Develop your skills yes. with your tool, right? In a place that doesn't have any consequence. And then understand your place and the natural rhythms of that animal and just apply the skills that you learned in, in a place without consequence. I, I, I love the traps, I got to say. I, I was thinking maybe there's a way to build more traps, you know, because they, they have these little crab traps that go in the water. Yeah. Um, but but I, was, I was waiting maybe at some point in the season they do this, but, uh, but I thought it would be wise to have some sort of trap in the jungle. Yeah, I mean, traps are, are great because it doesn't require you to be there. It's like, you know, it's, it's like having a residual income business, right? <laughs> you just throw it out there and then you check it once a day. And it, it frees you up to do other things um, to, to help you continue to survive in this environment, whether that be I'm going to hunt in this spot that I absolutely know, but I have traps over in these spots for smaller game animals. And, um, and really, you're just kind of just casting a wider net on possibilities with traps. So, yes, absolutely. Traps are a big one. Um, the crab trap is is great. They should have more than one. You know, if if they made one, they should make a dozen. <laughs> I, I, I always have. I, I always say, two is one and one is none. Right. So <laughs> that that one trap, if it doesn't yield anything, it's useless. But or if a t the tide brings it away, or if you know, God knows, some, a bigger animal catches some sense of those crabs in there and just decides to crush the whole thing. Now you have nothing. So it's always good right. to have multiples of whatever tool you have. Yep. And that, that goes the same for in dating, you know, Multiple. you got to have multiples. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Yeah. You never know what could happen. You, you're seeing one guy and then he gets, you know, eaten by a creature. You got to have something else going on. Right. You never know. Yeah, and I think that also just makes me think there is like a secret sandwich stash somewhere because oh. to just have one and be totally nonchalant about it, I was like, why? I would not be that excited to have one crab for the day. Right. That's just not a lot of food. Right. Um, okay. Anyways, I, I, I thank you both. Uh, this has been an absolute delight talking to you. Um, Sydney, is there something you want to tell people about uh, where they can find you? Go on over to Instagram for all things uh, non-expertise of me. Just Sid BW. And then Twitter, you know, I'm just retweeting and maybe posting pictures on there, but at Just Sid NYC. And then I have a podcast called The Unofficial Expert, and you can catch that on Patreon. Excellent. Okay, yeah. Sydney, thank you so much. And Steve, same same to you. Something you want to tell people about? Uh, I'm on Instagram at Steve Service, and uh, you could you could find me in the woods, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go find Steve in the woods. He'll help you out. He'll build you a fire, even if you're five years old. Uh, and uh, and yeah, just thank you both. Seriously, it's been super fun talking to you. Thanks a lot. Blast. Get exclusive science shows, nature documentaries, and more real-life entertainment on Discovery+. Plus. Go to discoveryplus.com slash goodbadscience to start your seven-day free trial. That's discoveryplus.com slash goodbadscience. Good, bad, the science of science. Credits. 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 Hosted and produced by Ethan Eidenberg. Executive producer, Brett Kushner. Supervising producer, Emily Feld. Producer, Darby Rose. Editor, Michael Feld. Talent Booker, 
Samantha Barella, Post Coordinator Jason McCarris, and Research PA Ali Rudenstein. Bye bye.